You are listening to the Eating Disorders Recovery Podcast with me, Tabitha Farrar. Hello there. I got an email this morning asking me to talk about orthorexia on a podcast. So here we go. Orthorexia, a sort of overly healthy eating or obsession with healthy eating. I just think it's another restrictive eating disorder, frankly, or it's just a presentation of a restrictive eating disorder. It's not helped by the fact that um, most of the behaviours of restriction are actually massively celebrated by society. And if you go to your doctor and tell them that you've eaten clean or that you've been exercising a lot, they are likely going to congratulate you. And actually, it could be very disordered behaviour and be very unhealthy for you to do so. Most people with anorexia also suffer from orthorexia, so a tendency to want to eat um, foods that the brain considers to be good for them and not want to eat foods that the brain considers to be bad for them. And so the common culprits are things like sugar, gluten, dairy, fat, anything actually that at some point has been labeled good or bad for you could probably be picked up on by a person with orthorexia and you think about it there aren't many foods out there that haven't at some point been told labeled good or bad and i think that anorexia and other restrictive eating disorders can be highly judgmental they make us massively judgmental um, about food and so this really gets played up to a lot and where marketing because that's what food companies do and this is what health gurus do is they market themselves and marketing can be very clever and Joe Public, the average person is susceptible to marketing and if someone tells you eat this food and you're going to live forever or eat this food and you're certainly going to have poor consequences then anybody's susceptible to that but a person with restrictive eating disorder is even more susceptible to it and the reason for that is because If you have a restrictive eating disorder and you're restricting, then restriction causes the mind to be hyper-focused on food and really hyper-aware about food. Because it's a bit like if you say you can't have this thing, and if it's one of the things that the body really needs food in order to survive. So food, water, oxygen are three things that your body needs in order to survive. And if one of those things, it's not allowed or it's not allowed a component of one of those things, it's going to want it. And it makes you think about it the whole time. And it's scary because that wanting of it also means that when you do allow yourself to have that thing, you want to eat large quantities of it. So that sort of reinforces your belief that you really shouldn't eat that food at all. Really what you shouldn't do is you shouldn't restrict anything at all. Because if you don't restrict, you tend to just eat things in moderation or as you need it or when you need it. Problem starts to happen when we start to restrict. Then the brain gets a bit crazy about things. And so in a sense, the problem really is restriction. But as we go into restriction, then the brain gets this scarcity mindset on. And for those of us with anorexia genetics, then when we go into restriction and we go into energy deficit, then the brain starts to have this famine response. And when animals or mammals are in a famine, and if those are migrating animals, then the brain starts to disincentivize eating and incentivize movement. So that's anorexia, hey? You know, you get scared of eating because the brain's like, hey, you can't stop and eat. Well, one, because you're in a famine, so there's no point in stopping and eating. And two, you need to migrate. So you need to spend your time migrating. So food becomes scary. And um, well, that's the adaptive famine perspective anyway. Um, And it's I think it's it's no coincidence that for people with anorexia, 
um, regardless of what culture they're in. And I've worked with people in India, um, in all over the world, really, different cultures. Not all cultures have the calorie thing where calories are plastered all over food. But for people with anorexia, regardless of the culture that they're in, tend to err uh, towards um, non-nutrient dense foods, so low-fat foods. And I think this is really interesting. And I've often thought about, well, why is that? And even children, very young children, as young as seven, who don't even know what a calorie is, start to show preferences to wanting to eat um, non-calorie dense foods, so low-fat, low-calorie foods. That's really interesting. Why would that have evolved? And just to be clear, I would hope that um, if you're listening to this, you, you understand that anorexia and other restrictive eating disorders are not solely about just wanting to be thin. And especially if there's somebody who's a seven-year-old child that doesn't know what a calorie is and doesn't know what a macronutrient is, they're not going to be restricting or not eating nutrient-dense foods because they perceive that that will make them thinner. So it's not about that. There's something bigger going on here. And I can only think that if you were in a famine environment and it's years and years and years and years ago when humans were hunter-gatherers, well, the only way that you would have been able to get when we were hunter-gatherers, if the only way you would have been able to get nutrient-dense food would have been meat to hunt, to go and kill animals. That would have been nutrient-dense food available to us. All the other food would have been gathering food, fruit and veg, non-nutrient-dense. So I don't think it's massively coincidental that for a person who has anorexia, their brain perceives that they're in a famine environment. The brain also disincentivizes going and looking for nutrient-dense foods. Because if you're in a famine, there's no nutrient-dense foods around. That's why you're in a famine. And so what would be the point in spending a day hunting, wasting a day hunting? Hunting is expensive, both in terms of time and energy. And if you need to migrate, your brain should disincentivize hunting behavior and therefore disincentivize nutrient-dense foods. But anyway, that's my theory. Whether you buy that or not, Totally up to you. We've got the same problem to sort out, haven't we? Anorexia or orthorexia, you're restricting food and your brain is rewarding you for doing so. That's where it gets kind of weird. <laughs> you're restricting food and it feels good. Um, or you're eating super healthy. You're avoiding gluten. You're avoiding dairy. You're eating clean. And it feels really good to do so. The brain gives you a little reward for doing that. Whereas on the other hand, if you even think about going out and getting a double cheeseburger and fries, your brain tells you off. No, that's not good. You get the emotions of guilt, shame, regret, and disgust. And that's just your brain disincentivizing you from doing that. But we associate those feelings with that type of food some of the time. And therefore we start to say, these foods are bad because they cause me guilt, shame, disgust, and all of those things. When really that's just judgment. No foods are good, no foods are bad, no foods should be considered healthy, no foods should be considered unhealthy. If we can move away from judging food, then we don't label foods as good and bad. But eating disorders, especially restrictive eating disorders, are incredibly judgmental about food. That's what your brain's doing. It is judging food as good or bad. <laughs> and that can be really hard to deal with. So the same thing applies for orthorexia as for anorexia. You have to eat food unrestrictedly. You have to eat food without judgment. You should not judge the quantity of the food that you want to eat. You should not judge the type of the food that you want to eat. And you should not judge the when of the food that you want to eat. Eating unrestricted means that you eat what you desire, when you want to, the quantity that you want to eat it. 
But it gets tricky because if you have orthorexia and you haven't eaten, say, pizza for years and years and years, then eating pizza is not actually always that enjoyable when you do go to do it. The reason for that is probably because your brain is in a state of stress when you do go and eat that slice of pizza. It's giving you all of these negative emotions and you're in your sympathetic nervous system and that's the fight or flight one. So you're stressed out when you're eating. And if you eat when you're stressed, food doesn't taste that good. So that's another reason that you can sort of use to justify not eating those foods because you can say, well, I did eat pizza once three years ago and I didn't taste that good, so why should I have to eat it? The truth is, is that if you continue to eat that food, it becomes more normal for you to eat that food, and your brain stops to see that, stops seeing that food as a threat, then you'll start to eat in your parasympathetic nervous system, and that's the rest and digest one. And when you eat in your rest and digest nervous system, food tastes more enjoyable. So you start to actually have a pleasant experience rather than this rather stressed out experience where it feels like you're eating lumps of concrete. But it's exposure to these foods and eating these foods that's going to get you to that point where your brain no longer perceives those foods as a threat and you are actually in your parasympathetic nervous system. There's also things that you can do to help with that. So breathing exercises before eating. Um, Also, if you feel that your heart rate's going up, you're getting stressed out while you're eating, then just stopping, taking a second, a couple of deep breaths. The reason that the breath is important and effective is that breathing long, slow, deep breaths puts you into your parasympathetic nervous system. It's actually impossible to freak out if you're breathing long, slow, deep breaths. Because it's the rapid breathing that signifies to the brain that you need to run, you need to flight or you need to fight. And the slowing down of the breath signifies to the brain that you don't need to do that anymore. So the breath is this tool that we've got to actually calm ourselves down. And that can help. That can help you sort of stay focused and stay stay with yourself while you're eating a food that stresses you out. So remember, we do live in a society that congratulates disordered eating. And you have to rise above that. And some of the traps to look out for are um, clean eating, which don't even, I'm not even going to waste my breath on that. Um, raw, <laughs> raw, raw food diets, which it does strike me as slightly humorous because the reason that humans' brains evolved to be as amazing and, and intelligent as we are is arguably because we learned how to cook food. And when we learned how to cook food, we made the nutrients more available to us. So it seems like slight regression, really, where there's this whole raw food movement which is um, saying we shouldn't cook foods anymore and we should (laughs) eat them raw. Um, But anyway, so slightly ironic um, that we've moved in that direction or at least certain um, fashions have moved in that direction. And then we've got uh, organic food and I've nothing against organic food. Tastes just as delicious as any other food, but getting sort of super um, anxious if, if anything you eat is not organic and having to check that everything on the label is organic ingredients. It's just over and it's above. It's over the top. Your body can detoxify stuff. So, you know, a bit of organic food, fabulous, but you don't need to go over the top and everything that you eat to be scrutinized. And then you have the gluten-free, dairy-free, as I mentioned before, sugar-free. You can pick pick one of those or all of those. Yeah, any of them you could get overly obsessive about. And I think that if there's anywhere where you're scrutinizing labels or not eating a food because there's some little bit on the ingredients list that says something that you morally don't agree with, that becomes problematic. That's not real freedom. 
especially if you avoid going out, can't go to certain restaurants because you're worried that the quality of the food is not one that meets your standards. That just becomes difficult. And when it starts to affect your social life, then it's not entirely a choice. And so you need to be in control so that you can eat any food anywhere. And I also want to mention on the topic of orthorexia, not just foods that are avoided and restricted, but also becoming obsessional about particular types of food. So there might be some foods that your brain agrees with and says, that's a good food, that's good, good, good. And then you sort of find that you're eating it the whole time and um, can't go a day without that food, can't go a mealtime without that food. Really latching onto it and going overboard on that particular type of food. And I have mentioned earlier on, some people do this with supplements as well, sort of get the idea that, oh, this supplement's good for me and, and then get a bit obsessional about it and eating it or taking it all of the time. And um, there are also, I've noticed that some people with orthorexia, while they may struggle to spend money in, in certain areas of their life, then they, they might find some superfood, you know, they get marketed some superfood and whatever it is, chia seeds or, um, or you know, something that's expensive and then are buying oodles and oodles of this, this particular superfood and spending a lot of money on, on one type of food that they believe is very good for them, but then unable to balance that out and actually spend money in other places in their lives or overworking and working extra shifts so that they can afford this ridiculously expensive always organic superfood diet that they're on. Um, and I've known people that have been on supplements and hundreds of pounds worth of supplements a week and have taken an extra job and worked extra hard just so that they can afford these really expensive supplements. I think one of them was sort of, it was some kind of water that was supposed to be from the volcanics somewhere um, and all these sort of volcanic vitamins in it, which probably tasted horrendous, but was incredibly expensive. But this girl was just drinking gallons and gallons of a day totally over the top totally uncalled for and was it making her happy no was it making her healthy arguably no she was in a worse state at that part in her life than any other and she actually found that when she really let go of all of it just ate whatever she was the happiest and healthiest that she'd been so everything in moderation including healthy food or whatever you're perceiving as healthy food and everything in moderation, including making yourself eat the foods that your brain perceives as not so healthy, if your brain perceives them like that. Because you can't live in fear. You certainly can't live in fear of food. You need to be able to eat with complete freedom. Thanks for listening. Until next time, cheers and cheerio.